Welcome to the podcast ministry of Pilgrim Baptist Church. Wherever you're listening from, welcome. We pray that the truth from the Word of God speaks to your heart during today's message. In Daniel 2, where it says, And as the toes of the feet were part of iron and part of clay, so the kingdom shall be partly strong and partly broken. And whereas thou sawest iron mixed with miry clay, they shall mingle themselves with the seed of men. That's what we need to get to. But they shall not cleave one to another, even as iron is not mixed with clay. So we want to get an understanding of who are the they that's going to be mingling in this verse. (laughs) And in order to get an understanding of that, we need to get an understanding of the term sons of God. So that is going to be the topic for tonight, understanding that. And in John chapter 20, uh, we see the Bible says in verse number 31, "But but these are written that ye might believe that Jesus is the Christ, the son of God. We see who is in reference very clearly in the book of John. Jesus Christ is the son of God. Matter of fact, that's what the entire book of John, you can say, is about. Presenting Christ as the son of God. That's the book of John. And we also see, uh, while you're in John, go to chapter number one. Let's look at John chapter number one. John chapter number one, it says in verse number 34. And I saw and bear record that this is the son of God. Who is that in reference to? That would be Jesus Christ. It's the son of God we see in John taking on what? The form of human flesh. And when we see, when we're running these references to get it, to to get some context, referring to Jesus Christ, it's singular, son of God, not sons. We'll get to that a little bit later on, but son of God. So when you see it show up, you want to get the context. And so far, it's real clear that it's Jesus Christ. Christ. Um, Go to verse number 49. Even uh, watch here what Nathanael recognizes him as. Nathanael answered and saith unto him, Rabbi, thou art the son of God, thou art the king of Israel. So even Nathanael, we see in the first chapter of John, identifies Christ as the son of God. Turn in your Bible, if you will, Luke chapter number one. Let's get some more references. Luke Chapter number one. Luke chapter number one. Look at verse number 35. And the angel answered and said unto her, the Holy Ghost shall come upon thee and the power of the highest shall overshadow thee. Therefore, also that holy thing which shall be born of thee shall be called what? The son of God, another clear reference, the Son of God identified as none other than the Lord Jesus Christ. 
um, his human nature, when we see that come up in the Bible, the Bible proves itself that it was he was begotten of God. It was a supernatural work. We should all we should all know that. Um, you don't have to turn there, but Romans 1, 4 says, and declared to be the son of God with power, according to the spirit of holiness, by the resurrection from the dead. We see another reference to the Lord Jesus Christ as being called the son of God in context of uh, referring to the power he has in his resurrection. Uh, let's let's stay with the book of Luke and let's see some others that have identified Christ as the son of God. Look at Luke chapter 4. Luke chapter 4, verse 41. Now Luke presents Christ as a perfect man. And throughout, throughout the book of Luke, when he's presented as the son of man, it's not that he's not deity. It's that he is deity. He is God. He is equal with God. But in addition to that, he's also uh, the, son, the son of man. He's the perfect man, Christ Jesus. So it's not a denial of his deity. Rather, it's just an addition of his humanity. And in Luke chapter 4, look at verse 41. And devils also came out of many, crying out and saying, Thou art Christ, the Son of God. Even the devils identified Christ as the Son of God. Go to the book of Mark. And look at chapter 3. Mark chapter 3, look at verse number 11. And unclean spirits, when they saw him, fell down before him and cried, saying, Thou art the Son of God. So we see as well, even unclean spirits identify the Lord as the Son of God. Let's go to the book of Matthew. Matthew chapter 4. Jesus is tempted in the wilderness. Watch what the tempter says when he came to him in, in verse number three. When the tempter came to him, he said, if thou be the son of God, command that these stones be made bread. Look at verse six. And, and saith unto him, if thou be the son of God, even the devil, when he came and tempted Christ, makes reference and identifies him as the son of God. Look at Matthew chapter 16. Matthew chapter 16, look at verse 16. And Simon Peter answered and said, Thou art the Christ, the Son of the living God. And Jesus answered and said unto him, Blessed art thou, Simon Barjona, for flesh and blood hath not revealed unto thee, but my Father which is in heaven. We see here Simon Peter identifies him as the Son of the living God. Go to Matthew 26. So many scripture references that we couldn't miss. Christ is the son of God. Matthew 26, verse 63. 
is to be the high priest. But Jesus held his peace. And the high priest answered and said unto him, I adjure thee by the living God that thou tell us whether thou be the Christ, the Son of God. Another reference. Let's do two more. Go to John chapter number 11. Oh, let's do John chapter number 10. John chapter number 10. Watch what it says in verse number 36. Jesus Christ himself will identify him himself. John 10 verse 36. Say ye of him whom the father hath sanctified and sent into the world. Thou blasphemest because I said I am the son of God. If I do not the works of my father believe me not. But if I do though ye believe not me believe the works. That ye may know and believe that the father is in me and I in him. Christ himself identifies himself as the son of God. Last one. John 11. Verse number 27. Uh, Martha here is, is, is who's going to identify him. She saith unto him. That's Martha. Yea, Lord, I believe. That thou art the Christ, the Son of God, which should come into the world. Pretty simple. I know we ran a, a lot of verses, but it's worth it for the Lord. <laughs> we started off with Jesus Christ. He's the preeminent one. But when you see Son of God, singular, we see all those references. You can't miss it. It's a reference to the Lord Jesus Christ. We're going to look at now. It's not just Jesus Christ uh, where we need to run these references are because now the Bible will make reference to we see sons of God. Go to Exodus chapter number four. We'll start there. Exodus chapter number four. Look what it says in verse number 21. Exodus chapter 4, verse 21. And the Lord said unto Moses, When thou goest to return into Egypt, see that thou do all those wonders before Pharaoh, which I have put in thy hand, and I will harden his heart, that he shall not let the people go. And thou shalt say unto Pharaoh, Thus saith the Lord, watch this, Israel is my son, even my firstborn. Back in Exodus chapter number four, we have this hint to sons of God in reference to who? Not the Lord Jesus Christ, but Israel, that nation. Now stay with me on this. Go to the book of Hosea. Going to have to go through Jeremiah. Lamentations, keep flipping through Ezekiel, Daniel, and right after the book of Daniel, you should come to the book of Hosea. And we're going to be in the first chapter in Hosea, chapter number one. Watch this here in verse number 10. Hosea chapter one, verse number 10, the Bible says, yet the number of the children of Israel, you see that? Back from Exodus chapter number four. Now we're in Hosea. This is a prophetic passage. 
And it says, shall be as the sand of the sea, which cannot be measured nor numbered. And it shall come to pass that in the place where it was said unto them, ye are not my people, there it shall be said unto them, watch, ye are the sons, plural, of the living God. Then the children of Judah and the children of Israel be gathered together to point themselves one head. And so what do we see in Hosea chapter number one? We have a reference to the sons of God that's referring to who? The nation of Israel. Now, this is a prophetic passage. And let's do the last one. Let's go back to the book of Isaiah. And then I'll make an additional comment. We'll be in the 43rd chapter in the book of Isaiah. Isaiah chapter number 43. Let's get some context. Verse number one. But now thus saith the Lord that created thee, O Jacob, and he that formed thee, O Israel. We see the context is very clear. Look at verse three. For I am the Lord thy God, the Holy One of Israel. So the context now, we're talking about the nation. Look at verse number six. I will say to the north, give up, and to the south, keep not back. Bring my sons from far and my daughters from the ends of the earth, even everyone that is called by my name, for I have created him for my glory. I have formed him, yea, I have made him. Look at verse number six. You see it says, bring my sons from far. And keep my daughters from the ends of the earth. What are those ends of the earth? Well, that's the north. That's the south. Like we see in verse 6. But that sons. In, in, in Hosea chapter number 1 and in Isaiah chapter number 43, we have, a, we have two prophetic passages that are going to point to that nation. And that nation in one day is going to be born again spiritually. They're going to have life. And when you see, we saw son of God refers to the Lord Jesus Christ. When we see sons of God, plural, it refers to here the nation of Israel. And then generally speaking, at the time of their creation, they are sinless. Now that's going to have to happen for the nation because they certainly were full of idolatry and sin. God's going to, he's going to do a, a supernatural work for that nation. So those are prophetic passages, but we see sons of God and we see a reference to the nation of Israel. There's one other time where son of God does not refer to the Lord Jesus Christ. Anybody want to take a gander at when and who? All the way back to the beginning of your Bible, go to Genesis chapter number five. Genesis chapter number five. And you want to get Luke chapter number three. Get both of these passages and it'll come to you rather quickly once you get there. Luke chapter number three and Genesis chapter number five. Watch this in verse number one in Genesis chapter five. This is the book of the generations of Adam. In the day that God created man, in the likeness of God, made he him. Who's that? Adam was made in God's likeness. Watch it. Male and female created he them and blessed them and called their name Adam in the day 
when they were created. And Adam lived and 130 years and begat a son in his own likeness. Adam created in the likeness of God. His sons created in whose likeness? Adam's likeness. We get that? Well, how about the son of God thing? We'll go to Luke chapter number three. Look at verse number 38. You see this genealogy in verse 38, which was the son of Enos, which was the son of Seth, which was the son of Adam, which was the son of God. You notice in Luke chapter three, verse 38, it's lowercase s. It's not a reference to the Lord Jesus Christ. We ran all of those early. We didn't run all of them. We, we ran a good bit of them earlier. But the only time you have a singular reference, son of God, the only time you have that where it is not in reference to the Lord Jesus Christ is the reference to Adam. Why? Because God, he, that's a son. He, he made him. And you know what happened to at the time of Adam's creation, what was he? Sinless. Now he sinned and we're all, you know, in Adam's line. But nonetheless, at the time of his creation, he was sinless. The only time the term son, singular, refers to anybody else is in Luke 3, 38 in a reference to Adam. Why is that important? Well, for as in Adam all die, even so in Christ shall all be made what? Alive. What does the book of Job say? Behold, I was shapen in iniquity, and in sin did my mother conceive me. Romans chapter 5, wherefore as by one man sin entered in the world, and death by sin, and so death passed upon all men, for that all have sinned. What's our problem? We all know this. We have a sin problem. When we were created in our mother's womb, we weren't sinless. Pretty simple to understand that through Psalms 51, right? Shapen in iniquity. In John chapter 3, when the Bible says, Marvel not that I said unto thee, ye must be born again. Why? Because that which is born of the flesh is flesh, and that which is born of the spirit is spirit. Why do we need to be born again? Because of our sin nature. We need to have a second birth. That's why in John 3, that which is flesh is flesh. That which is spirit is spirit. That's why you got to be born again. John 1. I want you to turn here for this one, even though you know it. I want you to see it in the Bible because this is key. To understanding the term sons of God. John 1 verse 12. But as many as received him. To them. Well who's to them? The end of the verse. Even to them. Who's to them? That believe on his name. Anybody that believes in the Lord Jesus Christ. This verse is referring to you. But as many as received him, to them gave he power to become what? The sons of God. And at the moment that you are regenerated, you are recreated, you have a new creature, 
And at that time, you are created sinless. Now, you still sin. You're still trapped in a body of flesh, oh, wretched man that I am, right? Romans 7. We all know that. But nonetheless, but as many as receive him to them, gave he power to become what? The sons, plural, of God. The sons of God. So that makes John 1 come alive a little bit clearer. We have a reference to the Son of God as the Lord Jesus Christ. That's number one. We have passages that tell us sons of God refers to the nation of Israel. We have two passages that tell us that Adam was the son of God. And now fourth, we have passages that say sons of God and is in reference to us as who? As born again Christians. So we have four references in our Bible. Go to Romans 8, by the way. Let's look at that. Verse 14. Romans 8, verse 14. We see it again. This is in regard to believers. For as many as are led by the Spirit of God, they are the sons of God. Well, that's not Israel. That's us. That's not the Lord. That's not Adam. That's us in Romans chapter 8. Look at verse 16. The spirit itself beareth witness with our spirit that we are the children of God. I hope you're a child of God tonight. Uh, where is it again? Verse 18. I think it's in verse 18. Uh, for I reckon sufferings of this present time are not worthy to be compared with the glory which shall be revealed in us. No, it's not there. It's verse 19. But the earnest expectation of the creature waiteth for the manifestation of the sons of God. We talked about this a little bit before. The fullness of our salvation will be complete. There is part of a there's a physical part concerning our salvation. When when does that occur? The redemption of our body. We're not going to have this vile body. We're going to have our bodies going to be redeemed. And that's what that's talking about. But nonetheless, we see that reference to the sons of God. In the meantime, what we've got is, look at verse 15 in Romans 8. For you have not received the spirit of bondage again to fear, but you have received the spirit of adoption. That's what we have until, our, uh, until we have a uh, get rid of this vile body, until we have the redemption of our body. What we have is we're adopted. We're adopted. Ephesians 1, you don't have to turn there, but it says, having predestinated us under the adoption of children by Jesus Christ to himself. We're adopted by God. We're sons of God. We're children. You're a child of God. But we live in a world that's full of sin. That's the problem. But there is going to come a day we're going to be delivered from all the sin in this world and all the trials that come along in this life. Your body will be redeemed. You see this uh, one more in, in, in uh, Romans 8. Look at verse 23. And not only they, but also, but ourselves also, which have the first fruits of the Spirit, even we ourselves grown within ourselves, waiting for the adoption to wit. The redemption of 
our body. That's what we're waiting for as Christians. And we'll come to the fullness of that term, sons of God. I said last verse, but I want to do one more. Go to 1 John 3. 1 John chapter number 3. 1 John chapter number 3. Look at verse number 1. Behold, what manner of love the Father hath bestowed upon us, that we should be called the sons of God. Therefore the world knoweth us not, because it knew him not. I hope you don't have a good relationship with the world. <laughs> That's kind of the problem with these, this carnival Christianity we see. Uh, we see mostly, mostly in America. America is the mission field. There's more pagan idolatry here. We say, well, you're going to go to the, the jungles of Africa. Yeah, you will. And you'll see some witch doctors. And look, we need missionaries on the foreign land as well. But we need them stateside as well. Because America is steeped in all types of paganism. You shouldn't be close to the world. And they shouldn't know who you are. They should think that you're crazy. Why? Because you're the son. You're called the sons of God. So, so far we looked at what? Jesus Christ. We see capital S singular son of God. Okay. But we also have other passages where uh, sons plural refers to who? Israel. And who else? Us as born-again Christians. And then the last reference that we looked at was son, little s, singular, and it was in reference to who? Adam. Now, so far, does everybody have that? Jesus Christ, the nation of Israel, Adam, and born-again Christians. So this is why we need to rightly divide the word of truth, because when you see those terms come up, they all refer contextually in the Bible to different groups or a different person. Make sense? Last one we're going to do. We need to go to the book of Job. Job is right before the book of Psalms. Go back in your Bible and find Psalms. And then you'll come to the book of Job. Right after the book of Esther is the book of Job. Because we have one more reference in our Bible, the sons of God. And this trips a lot of people up. And this is why we're taking one lesson to go through the meanings so that we get an understanding of what the of how the Bible puts things in context. Look at Job chapter number one, verse number six. Now, there was a day when the sons of God came to present themselves before the Lord, and Satan came also among them. Now, who are these sons of God? It can't be us as believers. It's not the Lord Jesus Christ. It's not the nation of Israel. Hmm. Maybe it's some type of supernatural being. Well, let's find out. Let's go to Job chapter number 38. 
Job chapter number 38. Look at verse number four. The Bible says in Job 38 verse four, where was thou when I laid the foundations of the earth? Well, I wasn't there. Declare if thou hast understanding. Adam wasn't there. Who has laid the measures thereof? If thou knowest the nation of Israel wasn't there. Or who hath stressed the line upon it? Whereupon are the foundations thereof fastened? Or who laid the cornerstone thereof? Verse 7. When the morning stars sang together. And here it is. All the sons of God shouted for joy. We just talked about who it can't be. In Job chapter 1 and Job chapter 38, you know who you have in reference to the sons of God? Angels. In our Bible, we have five different references to sons of God. Jesus Christ, Adam, the nation of Israel, us as born-again Christians, and yes, angels as well. In Job 1 and in Job 38. Uh Go to Psalms 89. Go to Psalms 89. Let's look at that. Psalms 89. Look at verse number 6. Psalms 89, verse number 6. For who in the heaven can be compared unto the Lord? Oh, that be nobody. Uh, who among the sons of the mighty can be likened unto the Lord? You have sons of God and you also have sons of the mighty. You know, that's in reference to angels, sons of the mighty. Um, because not even exalted angels can be can 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 come close to comparison to who the Lord is. In Psalm 29, you know what it says? Give unto the Lord, O ye mighty. Give unto the Lord glory and strength. That's angels. Go to Genesis 6. If we can tie these thoughts together. And I think by the end of it, we'll have an understanding of this sons of God term and who it references. And we'll understand why. Probably next Thursday, but nonetheless, we'll understand this term tonight. Genesis chapter 6, watch what it says in verse number 1. It came to pass, when men began to multiply on the face of the earth, and daughters were born unto them, that the sons of God saw the daughters of men. Now, remember we ran those references? This ain't Israel. This isn't us. This is an Adam. This is angels. This is angels in Genesis chapter number six. That the sons of God saw the daughters of men that they were fair. And they took them wives of all which they chose. And the Lord said, my spirit shall not always strive with man. That he also is flesh, yet his day shall be 120 years. Now watch this in verse number four. There were giants in the earth in those days. Let me back up a little bit. This can't be Adam. 
Because what did we say? Well, I'll say this and then I'll come back to this thought at the end of the message. When we saw Adam in Luke 3.38, it was singular, son, not plural, in a reference to Adam. So this isn't a reference to Adam. This is a reference to angels. There were giants in the earth in those days. And also after that, when the sons of God came in unto the daughters of men, that they bear children to them, the same became, guess what? Mighty men. What did we see in the book of Psalms in reference to? Angels. You got angelic beings in Genesis chapter 6. And you can't get away from it if you compare scripture with scripture. They bear children to them. The same became mighty men, which were of old men of renown. Oh, boy. You had some wickedness that was occurring because you had some fallen angels looking down at the daughters of men and they started mingling together. And they got themselves into a hot mess. Mighty men and men of renown. And God saw, verse number five, that the wickedness of man was great in the earth. And then every imagination of the thoughts of his heart was only evil continually. That's pretty bad. That's pretty bad. Okay, I'm going to come back to that thought I said I'd tell you I'd come back to. And if you don't agree with me on this, that's fine. This We, we have... A bigger job to do than to try to convince people that Genesis chapter 6, this is angels, like preach the gospel to this lost and dying world. So this isn't, don't lose sleep over it if you see it a different way. I'm okay with that. But here's what people will say. It's the ungodly line of Cain, because we see that genealogy in Genesis 4, verses 17 to 20 something. And so that ungodly line of Cain now mingles with the godly line of Seth, which you see that listed in Genesis chapter 5. And so the natural progression now in Genesis chapter 6 is, well, now those mixing of those two bloodlines. Do you know some saved people that made a mistake and married some unsaved people? And you tried to warn them, hey, look, you're supposed to marry a believer. It's going to work out a little bit better. But I've never seen any of them produce someone 10 foot tall. <laughs> I've seen saved people mingle with unsaved people and nobody produced a 10 foot tall giant. So that's the first problem with that. I think the natural progression is there's another line that's being talked about, not the ungodly line of Cain. Mixing with the godly line of Seth, I think it progresses into now you got something worse than you ever thought possible. And we got something worse. Well, we'll save that for next week. But uh, you get a saved person marries an unsaved person. They start having kids. Uh, they typically don't become mighty men, men of renown. <laughs> you don't have that problem. You got other problems, but not that. Uh, 
The other refute is go to Hebrews chapter number one. People will say, well, Genesis six, it just can't be. It can't be. It can't be that. It just can't be that because you've always been told it can't be that. And you're just tied to it feels good to believe what I was taught. But Hebrews chapter number one, uh, verse number five, the Bible says. For unto which of the angels said he at any time, thou art my son, this day have I begotten thee. And again, I will be to him a father and he shall be to me a son. In other words, what Hebrews chapter one is saying, God never called angels his son. And he didn't. Because it's son singular. <laughs> it's not sons plural. And you have one reference to the only begotten son, which is who? The Lord Jesus Christ. And God's not calling anybody else's only begotten son. So I don't believe Hebrews 1 is a good reference to use to refute that it's not angels being referenced in Genesis chapter number 6. Look at it again in verse number 5. For unto which of the angels said he at any time, thou art my son this day, have I begotten thee? It's a direct reference to the Lord Jesus Christ. And God would never call anybody else that. Because nobody else is equal with the father. So I don't believe that refutes, refutes Genesis 6 as those being angels mentioned. So the scripture isn't broken because God never called angels sons singular or begotten. He called them sons plural, sons of God. The same way you would have to use that same argument. We're sons of God. We are nowhere near in comparison to the son of God. Okay, clear distinction there. Now, um, go back to Genesis 6. How did this end? Look at verse number 11. We find that Noah found grace in the eyes of the Lord. And then we come to verse number 11 in Genesis 6. The earth also was corrupt before God and the earth was filled with violence and God looked upon the earth and behold, it was corrupt and all flesh had corrupted his way upon the earth. And God said unto Noah, the end of all flesh has come before me for the earth is filled with violence through them. Who's the them? It's that mingling of the angels with the daughters of men. And it's the same them that we addressed in Daniel chapter number two. When those kingdoms come about, there's going to be a, the same type of mingling. The them is the same as the they in Daniel two. So what happened? For the earth is filled with violence through them, and behold, I will destroy them with the earth. The seed of men. In Daniel chapter 2, let's go there and we'll finish in Daniel 2. Finish here in Daniel 2. 
verse 42, uh, verse 43, I think it is. And whereas thou sawest iron mixed with miry clay, they shall mingle themselves with the seed of men. And those they, remember last week we said, who's the they? Those they are fallen angels. They're angels. And the final world empire is going to be a mingling together and God's going to destroy it. Because it's not going to be from the seed of men. It's going to be more sons of God, angels mingling. And that's why God, that's why Christ is going to come back his second time. And that stone kingdom, what's he going to do again? Destroy. Same way he flooded the earth, he is going to destroy all those kingdoms. What happened in Noah's day, the same thing is going to happen at the close of the tribulation. Those toes, that iron, that clay, that mingling of the sons of God and the daughters of men, you're going to have, we'll get part two next week, supermen in those last days. The same way you had supermen, or whatever term you want to use, in Genesis chapter six. You, you know, we went and knocked on someone's door about a month or so ago. And both Hannah and I are allergic to dogs. Well, two of them came to the door. And there was this big dog barking. And, and the lady's holding it. Calm down, Thor. Come on, Thor. Don't. Come on, Thor. You know where they got the name Thor? Greek mythology. Superman, Thor, whatever you want to call it. All that comes from the Bible. There were supermen back in Genesis 6. These kingdoms that are going to end up, you're going to have supermen back there. God destroyed it once. He's going to destroy it again. He's going to get rid of all of it. And uh, these mighty men, these men of renown, God's going to take care of it when he comes back uh, and sets up his stone. It's going to be a stone kingdom that's going to smash them. Thank you for listening to the podcast ministry of Pilgrim Baptist Church. We look forward to seeing you in the next episode. In the meantime, you can sign up for our email newsletter at www.pilgrimbaptist.church.